listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. Have you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? <laughs> Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hi, welcome to this week's Retro Guardians. I'm Ben. And I'm Jay. And... This week, Ben, I'm going to let you do all the talking, which is unusual, and I'm just going to sit here and look pretty, because this is a movie I haven't seen for a very long time. But to me, it is an absolute classic. Now, I don't throw that word around very often, classic, mm. Yeah. but to me, this one ticks all the right uh, boxes, and it is, in my opinion, a 10 out of 10, Wow. and it is actually in my top 10 movies of all time, hands okay. down. It is the early 1960s classic, The Great Escape. Mm. Yep. Starring Steve McQueen. James Gardner. Yep. Richard Attenborough. Charles Bronson. James Colbert. David McCallum. And a who's who of great character actors. Yep. Classic. I, I I saw this at your recommendation around 1995, 1996. I, I remember little bits of it, not a lot, but um, I do remember I I did enjoy it. I thought it was an awesome movie. Now, my introduction to this film was the very early 90s. It was about 92. Now, it was just before the 30th anniversary of this movie, but I'd always heard of it. I'd always heard Great Escape, Great Escape. And I was always curious. This is the film that really put McQueen on the map. This is the film when anyone sort of quotes McQueen or says how cool he is, it's this film. And there's a reason why. So, just a couple of things quickly to go into. Queen had just made before this with the director John Sturges a remake of Seven Samurai known as The Magnificent Seven, which had been a big hit. And the Mersch Company had put the money up for that movie and they wanted to do something with both uh, Sturges and McQueen again. Now, John Sturges had been wanting to make a movie about The Great Escapes for over eight years, since the early to mid-50s. And at this point, because of the success of Magnificent Seven, he said they would have let him pitch the phone book at this point because of the success of the Magnificent Seven. So the condition was they had a budget of $3 million. Queen was definitely interested and they had to get a who's who of great supporting character actors, several of which had been in the Magnificent Seven, including James Colburn and the one and only Charles Bronson. So the film starts off with several trucks playing that iconic music that we just heard, and we don't know where they're going, what's going on, and it's se- several trucks. We can't see the occupants, and then we get to a brand-new uh, camp, which has been built specifically to house all these uh, uh, POWs, 250 to be exact, 
And as soon as they're let in, they're already looking for all the weaknesses. They're already looking at studying the place. They're already looking at the all the fence lines, all the guard towers, all the um, barracks, everything. And we discover that most of the men that have been put into this camp are escape experts. So we're slowly and steadily introduced to all the characters. Very quickly, they all try to escape and they're all quickly caught just trying to test the place. And then we also discover there's several members that um, are sort of like the organisation as they're described as. That's their job. That's their purpose is to try and escape and get as many other escapees out as they can. Um, we're introduced to the one and only Steve McQueen. He plays Captain Hiltz. He becomes known as the Cooler King. He has a very trademark uh, leather jacket and a very trademark uh, baseball mitt and glove. Sorry, and ball. And he immediately notices a blind spot in one of the fence lines. So he already knows there's a spot that you could stand for several seconds before the guards would notice. He tests the theory and then gets shot at and then says he's went to get his ball. He's then punished for, for being disobedient towards the Nazis, along with another character known as Ives, a.k.a. the Mole. They're put into the, uh, the cooler at the first, uh, literally the first day, and he gets dubbed the Cooler King. That's his nickname for the rest of the movie. Well, they're introduced to uh, McDonald, who's uh, head of intelligence. That's how he's referred to within the film. And he's played by the one and only, uh, what was his name? Gordon Jackson. And he was in a lot of stuff during the, during the 60s, Jay. Um, sadly, he died in the early 90s. But I always remember him for this role. And then we're also introduced to the one and only David McCallum, who I have to sadly say that he just passed away recently at the age of 90. Most people would know him as Ducky. On NCIS, he was also in The Man from Uncle, which was one of the most famous roles he ever played. And um, he plays Ashley Pitt. He's sort of the disposal guy to get and clear out dirt and sort of uh, hide it. Dispersal is his nickname, yes. Then we're also introduced to uh, Danny and Willie. They're the Tunnel Kings. They're essentially the guys that dig the tunnels, and they're already out looking at where we, they could possibly dig tunnels from. And then we're also introduced to Nigel Stock, plays Dennis Cavendish. He's the surveyor. He's the guy that does all the, um, you know, adds up how far everything has to be for them to get through and, and the distance from everything. And then very late in the, in the beginning, we're introduced to a character that's in, pulled out of a out of a, um, a car. Now, earlier, we're introduced to James Donald, who plays the group Captain Ramsey, the SBO. He's the most senior officer, but he's not in charge of it. He, he He's on the sides. He helps, but he's not in charge of this escape. And he's pretty much been told by the uh, commandant to sit out the wall peacefully and get comfortable. Now, shortly after this, we see a car turn up and we're introduced to Bartlett, a.k.a. Big X, played by the one and only Lord Richard Attenborough, squadron leader. And he is in charge of the escape committee, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> so there's a really great moment where we find out the Gestapo have their eye on him thinking that he's the escape artist that's in charge of all the recent escapes. And they tell the commandant that if he's seen again, he will be shot very threateningly. He's reintroduced to several of the members of the camp and he calls a meeting 
And the meeting scene is without a doubt one of the hands-on, one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It really sets the tone for the whole movie as well as what they attempt to do and who's who and what all their jobs are. Now, Jay, someone else is in this movie, and this is the movie that I will always remember him the most for, but for you, he will always be Dr. Loomis from Halloween, and that is the one and only Donald Pleasance. One of my favourite actors. He plays Blight, Colin Blight, and at first he's a mild-mannered guy. He turns up to the meeting late, and he salutes as soon as he walks in the door and says, sorry, I'm late, Roger, and he's like, all right, Colin, take your seat. We're going to tunnel. He said, splendidly. Well, we don't know his job at first, and then we're also introduced to him through the, one of the only Americans that are in the camp. Now, in the in the real life situation, that was all British, but to get the movie made in Hollywood, they had to have at least three American actors in it, and they had several more, but they were playing other nationalities. But Mr. Colburn and Mr. Gardner were the the main leads at the time. James was very famous for doing Maverick at the time. He just finished it. He wanted to do a movie. He did do several movies for several years until the 70s when he became famous for doing um, The Rockford Files. And um, there's a great scene where he, we find out he's the um, roommate of Bly. And there's a great scene where Bly says, where's your kit? Oh, this is it. What what happened to you? Oh, the goons didn't like some of my accessories and they confiscated them. And we discover that Henley, his character, is the scrounger. He can get what you want. He can do what you got. And the only thing that he manages to keep from his um, kit is actually a Swiss army knife. And then we discover that Blight is actually the forger of the group. And so he asks for him to get a camera. He needs a camera, a specific camera. He tells him what he wants. Charles Bronson, who plays also one of the other tunnel rats, then knocks on the door and he says, oh, Henley. I need a pick, very heavy one. Just one, two would be better. And then we discover that they're locked in every night, that they have to close up all their windows and then they're essentially locked in their, their rooms and none of them are happy, but that makes them want to tunnel even more. Now, Roger decides that, Big X decides that they need to be prepared in case they're discovered. So he decides that they should dig three tunnels. Their nicknames are Tom, Dick and Harry, Jay. So they Ironic. all go in different directions. One of them is built under one of the main barracks. The other one is built in one of the uh, the actual uh, base, uh, sorry, uh, bathrooms, which I love where that one's hidden. But we never see the third one. Now, my father claims that in one of the earlier versions you do see it, but I've never been able to find a copy that shows this. But I always remember it, and they always mention it. So we just specifically see two of the tunnels. And the problem is when they start digging, they don't know what to do with the dirt. The dirt in the tunnel is very di different to the dirt in the compound, and there's a really great scene when, when they're we're debating what to do with it. Now, um, uh, intelligence um, says we can't destroy the dirt, we can't eat it. The only thing left to do is camouflage it, and that's as far as my thinking takes me. And then... Big X goes, where's Ashley Pitt, who's the dispersal? And he comes in and goes, I think I have a solution to our answer. And it's a really great idea, Jay. He gets them to put a blanket on the ground, and he wears these bags that you can slip inside your trousers, and there's pins in them. And you walk sorry, you walk out into the compound, and you pull the pins out, and dirt shoots out of the bottom of your trousers, and you just kick it in. If you put that on enough guys, no one's going to notice. So what they do is they start gardening. It's a really great scene where all the guys are out there gardening with rakes and stuff, 
And one or two of them would come up to the guy with the, with the plot, go, little presents from Tom, sir. Ah, oh, splendid. Thank you very much. And, you know, the guys would just walk around doing that all day, which is an awesome scene. There's a great scene when Lieutenant, the commandant and his three goons walk up to them and says, oh, you know, I didn't expect you men to be interested. He said, well, the British are already very fond of gardening. He said, but why not this and that? Yes, but flowers. He goes, you can't eat flowers. Good point. And then they walk off and Ashley Pitt says out loud, you know, I have the distinct feeling that he knows exactly what we're doing. He said, you don't think that. He, well, we're going to find out sooner or later. Then it cuts to both Ives and the Cooler King getting released and we discover that they're planning a blitz, which they're going to escape. And they've come out with a really little ingenious idea about how to tunnel through the dirt just as two men and being a couple of moles. And they have this, this device to plot air holes up as they go along. And as they leave, intelligence goes, now, why did anybody think of that before? It's so positively stupid, it's brilliant. Oh, but it bring every goon in the camp down on us. And, and Big X goes, I don't know, maybe we're being too clever. We stop all the breakouts that might convince the goons we must be tunnelling. And then the senior goes, I hope it works, because if it doesn't, those two are going to be in the cooler for a very long time. Jay, we only see them next scene. They're completely covered in mud completely dirtied up they're thrown back in the cellar again we discover that ives are starting to crack from being locked up for too long and hilts is just taking it in his stride but even he's angry and then we discover that the guys are really doing a really great work with the um the tunnels and then we discover that there's an eclipse coming up and right now that's their goal they're trying to get to this point to uh, do the breakout. Now, uh, the boys are released again and they convince them not to break out. We also discover, Hills discovers how many he wants to break out, which is 250, which is the whole camp. We also discover that he's got a tailor called Griff. He's working on giving everyone a more a civil look, you know, not just looking like uh, POWs. So there's a really great scene where we're in his uh, tailor's shop and he's showing um, Big X all the uniforms. There's a great scene where he starts looking around. He goes, what's the matter, Roger? He said, I just had, I just had a feeling the goons have a field day. They broke in on this moment. He goes, oh, that's Soren's department. Now, one of the greatest things, Jay, is they've got this bunch of stooges running around the camp, keeping an eye on all the ferrets. Now, the ferrets are the, the sort of guys, sergeants, whatever, that keep an eye on, on the POWs. So they have all these systems in place that if guys start moving something or reading a book or moving a, you know, a washcloth or something, then another guy would knock on the, the building they're working on, and that's when they know they'll be able to work. If they hear another knock, they're to stop immediately. One of the other great things is they've actually got a choir going, and once the choir goes, all the guys that are working on them, like the like the air ducts and that, they start tapping to the beat of the, the, the songs they're singing, which is awesome. There's a really great scene when we meet uh, Cedric, the manufacturer. He's the Aussie played by James Colburn. All his crew literally are in tune with whatever song they're, they're doing, which is awesome. And there's a really great scene when they're making the air ducts and we see all that stuff. Also, Intelligence has a talk with Henley and says, we need to get his whatever uh, permits, travel permits, any sort of identity documents. And then he gives him all their spare food and sort of chocolate and stuff and he, he fills up a cabinet now we don't know what he's doing but he tries to buy bribe a ferret but the ferret won't take it and he storms off and before we realize henley's actually pocketed his wallet now uh, bligh with the forges are all in the art sort of department slash 
recreation hut. And Blight is literally telling them about bird watching and drawing. And there's a really great scene where Henley joins them and the ferret comes. Well, you take an interest in bird watching too, Henley. He goes, yeah, you should too. You should sit around. You'll learn something. I've got more important things to do than birds. And when he leaves, we see three guys. And one of them, the main guy, has a pipe. And he always taps his pipe. And then one of the guys moves the bin lid next to another bin. And that's when the guys know it's okay to start working. Now, inside the tables is where they hide all their um, forgery gear. And he shows uh, Intelligence and Big X a early version of one of their travel documents and um, a forgery. And he said, which one's the forgery? He said, that one. He said, they both are. What's holding us up now is this travel permit. And we discover Henley's got all the stuff they need in the ferret's um, wallet. And there's uh, one there for being on uh, the Wright's property and heaps of other ones. And Big X goes, you get 10 out of 10 for this old boy. Thanks, sir. Keep a hold of that. Where'd you get this? He goes, oh, it's on loan. And then as we get closer, we discover that Hiltz, Hentley, and one of the other Americans have bought up all the potatoes in the camp, but we don't know why. We also discover that they're literally trying to grab as much wood as they can to, to reinforce all the tunnel because it keeps getting cave-ins. So they're literally running out of wood. So that's a really interesting scene as well. And there's a really great funny scene with McQueen helping them. He, uh, Cavendish, the surveyor, he's on the top bunk and he always does this thing. He jumps up and goes, howdy, hoop, and gets on the top bunk. Well, McQueen's taken out most of like every second or third, uh, plank out of all the, all the bunks and he's carrying them out. He's got his hands full. He sees Cavendish. He's got, wait, wait, Cavendish, wait, wait. And he goes, howdy, hoop, and he goes through all three of them and hits the ground and then looks at McQueen and he's like, never mind, and walks off. And then we discover McQueen, Hentley, sorry, McQueen, Gardner, and Co. Uh, are making moonshine, Jay, which is a scene I know that you'd find very funny because it's 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 pure moonshine. <laughs> and we realise it's the Fourth of July, so they're celebrating independence. They give all the uh, the drinks to all the um, all the other uh, the camp members. We discover that the main tunnel, Tom, is actually very close to breaking out. So when they're all drinking. The Germans decide to do another check through all the um, the huts, and they Roger Big X tells them, "Don't look worried. They're bound to check anyway. We don't want to let them on on anything." So one of the guys is going through everything, and they're not thinking. They go to walk out. One of them goes to pour himself a cup of coffee, but when he drops, spills the coffee, he sees it leak through underneath the stove, and that's when he figures out something's wrong. And they take the stove off and find the tunnel. Ives is with one of the other guys, and he's um, drinking and enjoying the moment. Now, earlier they'd asked Hiltz for help for him to go out and do a recce of the place. They need to know how far the train station is. They need to know the police station. They need to know all the things because everyone won't be going one way. Uh, some will be on walking. Some will be on the train. Some will be cross-country, the whole thing. But they need information, and they need to send someone out to do it. But if he does it, he knows they've got to throw him back in the cooler for three months. So they find the tunnel. Ives cracks. He tries to climb over the the, um, the um, barbed wire. He gets shot. McQueen tries to take on the guard to stop him. There's a great scene when he walks over and picks up Ives' hat and walks back and he tells to Roger, Big X, let me know the information you want, sir. I'm going out tonight. And everyone's in shock and angry. And then Big X looks at um, the two tunnel rats and goes, open up Harry. We dig around the clock, and that's it. They all, all the pressure's on. Everyone's working harder. There's a great scene 
that they've got about like, like all these guys lined up inside the tunnel and they're literally passing out one bag of dirt at a time. We discover that Henley's been able to get a camera from the ferret that he blackmailed to get his wallet back. And we hear a great scene like someone's in the attic at the um, drawing place and they realise he looks around, he looks at Blight, he goes, oh, that's Ashley Pittsman. He asked permission to dispose of some of his dirt in our attic. And then we get very close to the date. Now we find out that Blight is actually losing his sight, Donald Pleasance. It's a really hard scene where we realise he's going blind. And he knows the guys won't let him out if he's blind, so he pretends to see a pebble on the ground or a pin. And Roger confronts him, and he walks over and picks up the pin, and he said, what about the one on that side? And he goes to do that. Roger puts his foot out, and he trips him, and then Hentley says, I'll take care of him. If he has the right to try and escape, then I'll help him. And he said, well, it's your funeral. And he goes. Uh, McQueen goes out, gets caught straight away, and one of the guys goes, I didn't think they'd catch him so fast. And he goes, he wasn't caught. He'd give himself up. And he got all the information they need, and then they finish off the tunnel, and they've gotten everything ready. They've signed all the documents. They've gotten everyone ready. There's a great scene where Intelligence McDonald is interviewing everyone to prep them as Germans and stuff to get their language right. And one of them, he pulls the English one on you. Your, your English is very good. Thanks, Mac. I'm a – no, don't fall for that trick. That's the oldest trick in the book. Don't fall for it, okay? Be careful. And he does that to all of them to test them. And then we get to the day McQueen's let out of the cooler. He has all the information. Everyone's ready to go. They go through the tunnels. We discover that Charles Bronson's character, Willie, is actually claustrophobic and he can't take the tunnels anymore. He's about to snap. His other friend, Willie, tries to calm him down and it works. And then finally, it's the night. They're ready to go. McQueen's at the end. That's the thing he asked for, for what he did. He wants to go out with the guys. He pokes through the last bit, and we discover they're 20 feet short from the woods. They're right out in the open in the front of the gate, and they don't know what to do. And as McDonald says, we can postpone to another day, and he says, all the documents are dated today. It's now or never. They figure out a way to set up a system. McQueen gets out in the woods. He has a rope system where it's a couple of tugs, and everyone starts climbing out. There's at one point a, a, a air raid. They, they turn off all the lights. They're able to get out a heap of the guys in the end, and most of them get out and take off. And then one of them trips, makes a noise, the ferret hears. One of the guys is impatient, gets out and, and gets confronted by the, the guards, gets shot at. McQueen distracts them, yells, don't shoot, don't shoot. They all start shooting everything. McQueen takes off. And then that's when the Germans have found the tunnel and they get the rest of the guys and half the guys that didn't get out. We discover that only 76 escaped, including Roger, Big X, Bartlett, uh, sorry, um, Bly, Hentley, Hiltz, Ashley Pitt, and a few of the others. Now, one of the characters that I mentioned earlier was Cedric, the manufacturer, Johnny's Cobra. He tries to do an Australian accent. You and I can see through it, but I think the rest of the world wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But he doesn't get to the train in time. And there's a very memorable scene, and my father has always said this out loud. He was the smartest one. He gets to the train station, missed the train, but there's a bike rack. He goes over to it. It's got a chains on it, but he's got a pair of clippers on him. He's got a big trunk with him, Jay, and everyone's saying, you're going to get caught with this. You're not going to get through. And he said, okay, watch out. And he puts it on the back of the bike, and he literally gets on the bike and just starts strolling, Jay. He doesn't speed off. He just takes his time. As my father says, it's just a guy going for a ride on a Sunday. No one notices him. He just takes his time and just strolls. Most of the guys get on the train. Um, 
um, Hentley and Blight jump off the train. They manage to find a airport. They're able to knock out a sentry. Hentley can actually fly a plane. He gets it going. They fly off head for Switzerland. Several of the other guys get to their final stop on the train. The Gestapo man re recognizes uh, Big X, goes to shoot him. Ashley Pitt, dispersal, he fights with him and shoots him with his own gun and then runs off. And then the Germans yell everyone to duck and he's shot in the back and falls dead on the, the train line. And then several of the other guys who have tried to make their escapes are caught. We discover that half the 75 have been caught. There's still a few of them out there. Hentley and Bly's plane, for whatever reason, crashes. Something goes wrong. Blight can't see and is shot by a German. Henley tries to comfort him. He tries, and he says, you tried. Thank you so much for trying, and dies in his arm. And then we discover that Willie and Danny, the two tunnel rats, actually found a boat on the river, and they get in it and start rowing. Hiltz, in the meantime, has, has put wire across a road and knocked over a motorcyclist he's then put on his, his his uniform and he's got the bike now this is the movie that everyone talks about with mcqueen in the bike jay this is the very famous one where he does the jumps and stuff now to get mcqueen in the movie the directors and producers promised him there would be a bike sequence there's not a, one of these in the actual real life situation but to get mcqueen happy and to keep him pleased they did it and it's still even though it's not real this day it's still regarded as one of the best scenes ever filmed now, they would not let McQueen do most of the riding for stunt and uh, insurance reasons, but his stunt double was so good that you can't even tell in certain scenes if it's him or McQueen. And as I have shown you other films with him in, like Bullet, we now know he, he did as many of his own stunts as he could. I mean, as he said, he was the king of cool. Sounds a now, lot there's like a very, Tom very Cruise famous does a lot of his own stunts. With the fence line. He gets over the first one, but there's a second one, and that's where he doesn't get across, gets shot gets knocked over he gets up pats the motorcycle and just smiles and as one of the my dad says he said this guy you know he's going to get out someday he's going to keep trying so they catch him bartlett and uh, big x and intelligence mcdonald are getting on a bus germans are interviewing everyone and they're doing really good with the german and then of course one of them goes your, your german is very good and of course mcdonald intelligence force for the same trick he warned the other guys too and says thanks in English, and they get caught. Bartlett manages just to get away and then just pretends to be a guy walking down the street, grabs a paper, pretends to blend in, but a major senior guard, uh, German has recognised him and, and pulls the gun out and says, come with me. They get all the guys, they put them in the trucks, they tell them they're going to take them back to the base, and there's 50 of them, and they tell them, okay, get out and stretch. We've got a long journey ahead of them. They get out, they stretch, they think they're okay. And unfortunately, the Germans set up two machine gun posts and they, they shoot them down. They completely wipe them out, 50 of them. And then the senior SOB, he gets word from the commandant that 50 were killed and they won't tell him why. All they know it was the Gestapo murdered them. Now, we discover that the two tunnel rats managed to get onto out in the bay and got onto a different a freighter or something we don't know what country and they managed to get away we then cut to um cedric on the bike he gets on the another train hides in the back caboose then he gets to another town where he's sitting having a cup of tea or a drink in in, in a, a spanish or italian sort of situation and he's just having a drink just enjoying the moment and then Three Germans pull up and he suddenly ducked behind a paper, but 
you see the two guys serving the cafe, they they get a phone call, then they go over to him and goes, Monsieur, there's a phone call for you. Me? Moi? Yeah, and he goes over to him and he's like, hello, hello. And then the two guys get down behind the counter and he suddenly realizes, puts the phone down and does the same thing. And resistance pull up with the car with machine guns and shoot the three German officers. And he's able to say that he's a British officer. He's trying to get his Spain. He needs help. And the guys go, we know someone that can help you. And they, they help him. And then it cuts to uh, 15 or so of the other guys, including James Gardner, that have been returned to the camp. And they discover how many have been killed. They discover the 50. And then they start naming names and most of them have been killed. And one of the guys goes, Danny Willie? No, they're not on the list. And Haynes, yep. And he says, Roger's plan was to get back at the enemy the best he could, mess up the works. And from what we heard here today, he did exactly that. And then Hentley goes, but, sir, was it worth the price? Depends on your point of view, Henley. So they all go in. They're all put into confinement. We then see Cedric out in the woods with another guy, and we discover that he's on the verge of Spain. He's Spanish. A guy turns up, and you see him walk into the mountains of Spain, so we know he gets away. And for a fact, I do know for a fact he managed to get home, one of the only few that did. Then we cut to Hiltz has been returned, there's a great scene where we see that the commandant's been blamed for the escape. He says something to him. He said, you're one of the lucky ones, Hiltz. And he freezes and goes, how many? He said, over 50. And then looks at him and goes, looks like you will see Berlin before I will. Now, every time Hiltz was put into the, the cooler, Jay, he always had his glove and ball. And he would just start. That's where that famous scene, and they've, they've recreated this in so many movies, where he's in a room and you're just throwing the ball against the wall and it's banging off the ball and hitting back at you. And as my oh, dad yeah. said the whole way through the movie, the guard of the cooler, he, 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 he stumps him. He, he's got him fucked. That How can this guy keep doing this and completely be fine? So the, it ends with him getting thrown into the, the cooler again. One of the guys throws him his mitt and his glove, and it ends with hearing the ball against the wall, and this German just can't figure him out. And the movie ends with dedicated to the 50. This is without a doubt, I stand by it, one of the best films ever made. Everyone yeah. in it to this day is still known for this movie. As I said, David sure. McCallum, Ashley Pitt just passed away. And even when they were posting recently online, it was mainly stuff from Great Escape and NCIS and uh, Man from Uncle. This film this year is 60 years old, Jay, and it's still talked about to this day. What do you Don think Stur makes it the best Sorry. movie of all time? What is it about it? The cast, yep. the situation the direction, and the music. Now, the music was done by Elvin Bernstein, as you played earlier. Mm -hmm. This is the score he would go beyond famous for. He would later get a second jolt in his career for doing comedies, including uh, Animal House and, and even Ghostbusters, by the way, Jay. Mm. And yep. um, he had a very successful traditional career as well. Um, Paul Brickhill wrote the novel, and I believe James Clavell, who was an Australian guy, who was a writer too, he went on to direct uh, To Serve With Love. He wrote the screenplay. Mm. And... This is my favourite John Sturges movie. Sturges did a lot of other great films, including Magnificent Seven, including, I think, Hell is for Heroes, and I believe one of my other favourite Spencer Tracy films of all time, Bad Day at Black Rock. He just had an affinity for actors. I heard that in a lot of movies he worked on, he always had really good actors, and they always said good things of him. And I just think it came out at the right time, right place, right everything. Yeah. Just You, you want to see these guys escape. You want to see how they did it. You want to see that grit and determination that those movies of that day used to show. For sure, yeah. 
like I said, I give it 10 out of 10, Joe. And I don't do that that often. You know this for a fact. No. I, I don't think I've ever heard you give anything a 10 yet. No, this is one of many. Mm. I don't have a lot, but it's one of many. Nice. All right, Jay, I think we've covered everything we need to cover this week. I am Ben. I'm Jay. Thanks for listening. We'll see and you again soon. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Retro Guardians.